Welcome to the Irish NFL Show's recap of the penultimate weekend of the football season in association with our partners, Quinbet. We have the bye week to breathe, obviously, and get ready for Super Bowl 58, or LVIII, if you prefer it, in your Roman numerals. And despite the best efforts of both the Ravens and the Lions, we'll get a repeat of Super Bowl 54 in 2020 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Congrats to both teams, to their coaches, to the players, and, of course, to the fans, many of whom are tuning in this evening or we'll be picking this up on podcasts wherever you get yours and please do remember to like and subscribe uh, so other people can find the Irish NFL show it really does help us when you hit those thumbs up hit those ratings and subscribe in your podcast app well Colin Brian and myself will be heading to the desert and we'll be on the ground in Las Vegas bringing you exclusive content from the opening night right up to the game itself in Allegiant Stadium on February the 11th and we'll have reaction following the presentation of the Lombardi Trophy to either Clark Hunt or Jed York, because God forbid they'd give it to, you know, say the captain of the winning team or the players who've actually spilled blood on the field. We love that quirk of American sports. Give it to the owner. They're the one who puts up the money. And um, We look at how the AFC and NFC Conference Championships were won and lost, which players showed up and which players made a show of themselves, and there was a couple in that category. And we look at the key coaching decisions and all the major talking points from the games. Before we get into that, though, couple of interesting NFL news items today, Brian. Ken Dorsey, first of all, sacked by the Bills mid-season. One of the OC, OCs who was a scapegoat, one might argue, for uh, performance issues elsewhere in the coaching ca- camp. But hired as offensive coordinator by the Browns. And I think that's broadly being viewed as a, a pretty decent hire by Dorsey, who, um, you know, according to the pro-Dorsey camp at least, and according to the stats and the number of points that the offense put up while he was there, uh, didn't fare too badly in Buffalo, and a lot of people feel that he was unfairly tarred with uh, performance issues elsewhere. Yeah, I think you've summed it up quite well there. We spoke about it during the season. I think it was after the Broncos game on Monday night, in which uh, Colum and rightly called out the key, key moments within that game weren't necessarily down to the offensive coordinator, but obviously he was the fall guy. And if you were to look at the games over the course of the six, seven weeks he was there, his numbers were much more compelling than what we saw from Brady for the remainder of the season. Obviously, he's been confirmed as the new offensive coordinator in Buffalo. I don't think that should be lost in the conversation. I thought it was interesting that the announcement of when it came out last night, when the Rappaport announced it pretty much in the third quarter of the Ravens-Chiefs game, which I don't. I was thinking to myself, is that a timing thing to, you know, remove the backlash potentially from certain Browns fans who wouldn't have wanted him? Because there was an extensive list of people interviewed, and I think the Browns had their Browns fans from some I spoke to today or a bit of back and forth texting where kind of had their eyes on some other ones put in. So maybe there was a something in and around that, but it makes sense. I think he's done enough over the course of the last couple of years to since Brian David moved moved off to, to the Giants as head coach to be warranted another position sorry, another opportunity to be offensive coordinator. It's it's a strange one in a way because the Browns removed from so many with with a productive enough season for many a wide receiver in Cleveland they still felt the need to remove everybody from the offensive side of the ball. So it's a very fresh start for him going in there to walk for Stefanski. Colin, fresh start also in uh, your beloved AFC West, home of your Denver Broncos, where Jim Harbaugh, as we were talking about last week, taken over in LA at the Chargers. Uh, but he's now since in situ. He's been in the building. He's met the players and says he was starstruck following his first meeting with quarterback Justin Herbert. Is this a meeting that's going to set the AFC, AFC West on fire, do you think? Uh, well, uh, I did see uh, somebody tw- uh, sent out a tweet saying that he's um, been meeting the players and, and he, he messaged the, the players and obviously if he didn't get a, a message that might be a concern and somebody quote tweeted saying, Austin Eckler has turned off and on his phone 
seven times and is waving it above his head frantically to see if he's missing out on a signal. Um, look, I, I think with Harbaugh and the comment that he has made there about Herbert, it's about giving Herbert some love. I, I think last year, uh, obviously not a great one for Herbert. And I think it's, you know, re, rebuilding his, his confidence. This is what Harbaugh does. And he, the starstruck thing, it's a great way to play it because we know who's going to be the personality in that building. Justin Herbert doesn't want to, to be the guy. But Harbaugh knows enough. He knows how to, to play it. And uh, I, I think it, what will be fascinating is, again, to see the relationship with the GM, who the GM um, will end up being. And the relationship with the owners and how that progresses, I think, you know, Harbaugh is more, much more likely to um, push them than maybe some of the coaches they've had more recently. And, you know, how that roster, they're going to have to make changes. Um, I, I think, again, we, we saw even in the championship games how important, you know, the, the wide receivers are. Um, and, and you called it out, Colm, like with the sort of wide receivers that for whatever reason the Chargers went for, they, they seemed like they were from yesteryear. And you look at that Green Bay Packers roster, you look at what the Texans have done, you look at what the the, the Ravens have done and, and how they've, they've added to their receiver room and it's helped propel them ultimately to the championship game. There are plenty of good receivers coming out of college. You can pick guys up in the second and third round who can really do a job for you. There are Puka Nakua's waiting out there if you want to plunge in the in the fifth round. A lot of good wide receivers in the draft this year. The conversation is dominated by who's going to go in terms of quarterbacks, but there's loads of good wideouts there, potential good wideouts for uh, for a team willing and brave enough to do the due diligence. Yeah, and, and I just think you're going to see the Chargers get much, much younger. Um, they they were too old and they were too slow ultimately uh, in, in a league that is so dependent now on quickness. And I think Harbaugh coming in there is going to make wholesale changes. I think this might well be, um, Graham Sunes famously said, you know, when the, he was asked, uh, did you try changing too much uh, at Liverpool uh, too quickly, Graham? Is that why it didn't work out? And he said, no, I didn't cha change enough, fast enough. I think Harbaugh uh, will take the approach of uh, making major wholesale changes to that roster. That would be my expectation. Yeah, you'll end up with Trigger's broom. He's had the same broom for 19 years. He's only changed the head three times and the handle 12 times. Yeah. Right, to the championship games now. Let's start with the early game. Sunday evening in the AFC. The Chiefs entered the stadium in M&T Bank in Baltimore as three-point underdogs to the Ravens. Before the game even started, though, Brian, the mind games began. And it wouldn't normally focus on, you know, little bits of back and forth, as we saw between Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and, and Justin Tucker, the kicker. But I do think it's worth spending a little bit of time psychoanalyzing it from our amateur position on the couch because it really did seem like Chiefs got under the Ravens' skins early and that set the tone in terms of how agitated the Ravens got, the ill-discipline that ultimately was really costly for them in the game. Yeah, which is why we had a brief conversation yesterday as to what end of the ground uh, Justin Tucker decided to warm up in because obviously it's split half and half, both, both sides, anybody who's been to an NFL game, like any any sport, you get your half, the other team gets their half. So it was interesting dynamic. What I did see today was Justin Tucker was out early, and you tend to see that with kickers. If you you know they're usually out warming up a lot more earlier than other players on the team, and he had parked himself down there. So a bit of back and forth. I've seen Justin Tucker, but it didn't seem to get too 
enamored by it or didn't get really too overly involved. There was a number of different instances, but yeah, it was very much evident. I spoke about it on the show. We all spoke about it on the show this week around the Ravens and the pressure going into this game. Probably despite the Chiefs being reigning champions, it was probably more on them because they were never going to get a better opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. Bearing in mind the teams in the AFC, the Bills were gone. The, the Bengals have struggled throughout the course of the season because of one team or another with injuries. And the Chiefs, let's be fair, this, this Chiefs team is not well, so they're and they're on Mara and they're in the Super Bowl. They, they haven't really been the team in which we've, you know, captured the imagination of many an NFL fan over the course of the last four or five years. It's been a very different dynamic to this team. So it was there for them. It was very, and I know we're going to get into the details of the game itself, but yeah, you could you could argue the Chiefs struck the early blow in terms of, you know, that little piece of needle, but I don't think that's the complexity of the game where where it ended up no. to be put. But, but yeah. I, men- I mentioned it though, ultimately, Colin, because we saw from very early on, there's an incident, a little bit of a flashpoint where Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey's getting all sorts of stick on, on X at the time. People saying, oh, Travis Kelsey's a prick and he's such a wind-up merchant. But it worked. Davion Clowney sticks his helmet in his face and gets a, an unnecessary roughness penalty. Unsportsmanlike conduct, I think it was. Sorry, not unnecessary roughness. And, and right at the start, the Chiefs are capitalizing on that little bit of needle. It's working in their favor. Yeah, and and that that's what you need. Uh, you know, male male footballers, English rugby team, um, Shannon Sharp. Like people want to have a go at Kelsey. Uh, Shannon Sharp, you know, larger than life character. Obviously, I'm a fan. You know, won a Super Bowl with the Ravens as well. Um, Shannon Sharp got the Chiefs to lose their minds in the playoffs in a divisional round game, um, by calling out Derek Thomas's girlfriend's phone number. And Derek Thomas uh, went went off sides repeatedly. The Chiefs, uh, his teammates got riled up and ultimately the Broncos uh, emerged victorious from that, even though um, the Chiefs were at home. The Chiefs had the, the better record uh, going into that matchup. So, look, the, this is unfo- uh, at the top level. Sledging, call it, call it whatever you want, they engage in it. And the Ravens were... They, just, they they did. They lost their heads completely. Like, right in front of the referee, like, to put your, your face into him. The stuff that they did yesterday. Did, and did this happened repeatedly, though, and it's, it's one of the reasons why I wa- wa- wanted to get into it. It just seemed from the get-go, the moment was too big for, for the Ravens. And they'd lost the initiative early on, and they never seemed to get quite back on top. The Chiefs seemed to know exactly what they were doing. It's even in capital, encapsulated in that Travis Kelsey moment. He knew how far he could push it to get the Ravens to react, but not to get penalised himself. And it reminds you that you know, nice guys don't win Super Bowls. Nice guys don't win All-Irelands all the time. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes it's a team that's just ruthless enough and cunning enough and are big enough bastards for the occasion. Yeah, I I mean, like he's he once the referee throws the flag, he is laughing. Like he is absolutely uh, doing it. And um, I, I thought the Ravens may have kind of, uh, and it's funny, he, he he played for both of these teams, but ultimately they both got rid of him. Um, it, it, there, there was a touch of the Marcus Peters uh, about the, the Ravens, the guy who just just can't let it go. And you need to learn to, to channel that. And sometimes it's absolutely ridiculous and artificial. But Mitchell Schwartz had been on um, Twitter on all day Saturday. And... I was getting very worried because Roquan had made what you know some comments uh, and talking about you know Mahomes is is like everyone else he has to put his pants on and Schwartz was like look this isn't this you just don't do this because people like Mahomes people like Brady 
they're super competitive and they will look for anything as an advantage. So um, when you just tell them you're like everyone else, which is all real kind of a saying, it's like, well, no, I'm not. And I'm going to show you I'm not. And ultimately, Mitchell Schwartz gets proven correct uh, in that it's like Brady going, though we're still here, the plucky Patriots. It was so obvious to everyone from the outside. That was ridiculous. But as a team, they bought into it. They believed it. And it gave them that siege mentality that they needed. And hold that point, because I want to come back to to the Brady thing. And you, you mentioned it even when we were previewing this with Brian. You wanted to make a, a point on the discipline and the, and the sledging and all the rest. Yeah, I think what was even more agitating as well to the, to the Raiders was the fact of, I think it may have been the next play, there was consecutive flags on, on two plays, because the next one was the roughing the passer on, on Mahomes, which was, a, let's be fair, it was a clear, you know, he went in with the, the fist onto the helmet. But the one later on in the game, which probably summed up the entirety of the game, they come up with a strategic move in terms of how they can, you know, keep the keep the, the, the deliberate offside. The deliberate offside and the whammy of that is they can't even manage that correctly because their heads are so gone. He goes in with a with a really zealous um I suppose tackle on the offensive line player for the Chiefs and he gives up fifteen yards, which essentially then puts the Chiefs in another final position to kind of close the game. But at that stage their heads are their heads were gone completely. It was a completely ill disciplined performance. I'd say even offensively as well, I think we'll probably come to the nature of how they performed offensively but both offensively and defensively yesterday and that's just not that come from the coaching side of things that in a week where you know what the Chiefs are going to do you know the narrative you know the way they're going to be treating this game you know how they're going to react to certain things in the game in, on the road it's a volatile atmosphere as, we, as as most supporters know in Baltimore everything was essentially going to be against the Chiefs they're going to find ways sure the coach and staff would have had the team ready to deal with these certain circumstances it just seemed off they were chasing the game. They were panic, panic, panic mode. When they were fourteen seven down, they seemed to be in panic mode. It was just, it was just one of those very. Just last strange. week, like if uh, apart from the X's and O's, and there was very, very little, and is very, very little to choose between this teams and I, these teams. And I think you can probably make the argument on paper at least that the Ravens are a better team. But one thing that was very obvious to me, and we talked about it when we were previewing the game, was the Chiefs were all bists after winning their divisional round. It was you know Andy Reid saying. No dancing, we're not done yet. Whereas the Ravens were celebrating. You're celebrating winning a quarterfinal at the end of the day for a team that should have Super Bowl aspirations, that says it has Super Bowl aspirations, but there's a difference between saying you think you can win and knowing you can win. And the Chiefs going in seemed to me like two opening drives encapsulated a lot of what went on. Baltimore, three and out. They've, they've had the chance to prepare for this all week. They've scripted the plays. Chiefs surgically moved down the field. Completion after completion seems to go to Travis Kelsey and they register seven points before Baltimore know where they are. And, and they never really managed to rest the initiative back, did they, uh, Colin, Baltimore? And, and to your point, I guess somebody made the point earlier today, I forget who, you look at the box score and you look at the stat line, Mahomes didn't seem to do anything amazing, but how many times have we seen Tom Brady do that in divisional round games and AFC championship games? You play the moment. You play the game that's in front of you. You know, when you need an epic completion to Marcus Valdez-Scantling, the ultimate insult for the for the Ravens at the end of the game when you need those big catches by by Kelsey, the right pass was always there. The right decision was always there. He didn't need the fireworks. He just needed to do what he needed to do. Yeah, and I, to me, I suppose the Ravens they they got too clever, right? They they got away from from the run. And they decided that they had to be the new era Ravens and they wanted to win by throwing the ball. And as I've said, I've said before, what made Brady better than anyone else was if you had told Tom Brady going into a game, 
Tom, you aren't going to throw a single pass. Forget Mac Jones's three uh, three pass attempts for the Patriots against the Bills. You aren't going to throw a single pass, but you're going to win the game and you're going to win the Super Bowl. He'd have bitten your hand off. He didn't care how it was done. And it's funny, we talked to Otis Anderson, uh, who uh, Brian, that'll probably raise a smile, but he talked about the Giants' plan against the the Bills, right? In that, obviously, they wanted to keep the Bills off the, the field, fewer, fewer possessions. But when they had the ball, they actually said they dared Jim Kelly to like to, to they sold out on the um like they, they wanted him to keep throwing it. They they knew and they were like, if they had tried running on us, they'd run on us all night. But they we knew they wouldn't do it. We knew the K gun, they'd keep going pass after pass after pass. We sold everything out. And it was like that. Like you you kept watching it and the Gus bus three three attempts and when he actually got the ball he was very good it was crazy making to watch it and yes Lamar had a bad game he had a he had a very very poor game but Todd Munkin's game plan the inability to make adjustments was absolutely infuriating and yeah they they look ill-prepared underprepared and they never ever responded and that is a, a damning indictment, I think, on Munkin above all else. Lamar absolutely deserves some of the blame. The whole team deserves some of the blame. But I, I it was incredible to watch it. And and you kept thinking, surely they'll make into just other. Oh, OK, here, here, here. They finally got the ball back. Maybe. They, no, there was no adjustments. And it just left you baffled and, and befuddled. Brian, this, this was a thing that, you know, we were back and forth in the WhatsApp group over to see Leisha and others mentioning it in the in the comments that nobody seemed to be able and seems to be able to get, her, get their heads around why Baltimore went away from the run in the one spot where you thought they really need to do it. They racked up 229 yards on the ground against the Texans. In the same weekend that we were watching the Chiefs really struggle for large parts of their game against the Bills to contain the run game and to contain James Cook. The path to victory here seem to be to put the ball up the jumper at first instance, which is what we know the Ravens are built around or have been built around until they got rid of Greg Roman. Instead, I don't know, was there some sort of bizarre form of validation in play here where Munkin and, and Lamar needed to prove that they could win and put the, put, the, put the ball in Lamar's hands to throw it to win the game rather than just doing what was necessary to get over the line by hook or by crook? Yeah, there's, I suppose there's a combination of a lot of things here. You, you're talking about their own game. With, with, with the exception of the playoffs, because let's be fair to the Chiefs defense, they played really well over the course of the last three games. They were 28 against the run over the course of the regular season. That's not a good stat. You'd expect the team to run, run and continue to run and try ultimately. You know, as I said, they've got the, the, the way they've got the hill, they've got, they've got Edwards. The Chiefs run the ball 32 times. The Ravens run the ball 16 times over the course of the game. Like, that's, that's scary. Like, the fact that you continuously. Um, over the course of the season they played from the by and they've been playing with the lead over the course of the season I can't recall too many instances where they've had to kind of play from behind over the course of all the games and we still lost like the Steelers game we spoke about it on Thursday most of the games they lost it was when they were in the lead and someone came back at them they never really had to play from behind it felt to me like they were in panic mode I was just looking at this you're talking about passing from not doing much Chiefs had 8 possessions after the 17 points they didn't score again they only had four first downs in the authority of the second half, two of which came on the final drive. One of them was resulting in a, in a flag, so essentially only one. And yet the Ravens still couldn't find a way to win the game because everything was gone out of control. And after the game, which I told, like, I'm some concerns, 
I, and you're right, I think this goes to the management, the coaching staff and the offensive coordinator because Lamar said, we didn't expect the level of blitzing in which the Chiefs came at us with. We, and, and they never adjusted to that. And the, to me, you adjust, you adjust because by having run pass options, fade to run, use Lamar in the run game. None of that transpired over the course of the, the four quarters. They just never gone away from it. And to say that they weren't expecting that, this is Spagnolo. This is why I must build his I was reputation thinking about when, when we watched Baltimore against the Titans in London and Lamar looked to be so much more patient with the ball in his hands and you know ironically ultimately that's what killed him here he was holding on to the ball too long he seemed to be second guessing himself there were running games opening up and, and he didn't seem willing to take them maybe part of that was because he hit the big shot to Zay Flowers to score the touchdown in the first half and, and thought you know we, we can do this we can do this again Chiefs were taking away all the intermediate routes where they thrived during the season making them do something different. But to your point, I cannot for the life of me understand why they weren't expecting the unexpected. They seemed genuinely to be baffled. Spags would dial up the things that he dialed up when this is this is what he does. It was like as if Spags looked at the model in which the Texans had in, in the first uh, half of last week's game. Obviously in the second half, they couldn't get near near mark. But in the first half, they were very disciplined and they came at him at the right time. I think in the last three drives, he was sacked a number of times, but the Texans, they were three now, three now, three now before halftime. He was like, okay, we'll look at that model and we'll just dial it up a little bit even more to what we can do with players around us. And he just never adjusted. And you're talking about the touchdown to the Flowers. Let's be fair, it was a fantastic play by Lamar because he was dead to rights three times on that particular And there was other plays in the game where he threw incomplete pass where it looked like they had him in the pocket and they just couldn't get him down. Like The offensive line was completely at sea as well for an large part of the game. It was just from, from top to bottom, it was just, I don't know whether the pressure got to them but they just continue to throw, even like the one at the end, but the, not necessarily the flowers, because again, we spoke about it last week with McCall Harbin, and you're reaching out and you're trying to make a play. I get all that. The one at the end with the interception, that's a fourth down type of play where you're trying to make a play. Like you're, it's second down and you're going into triple coverage. It's just, it's it's, it's bizarre, bearing in mind. Yeah, I thought Jay Cutler do that for enough years in Chicago, Brian. I know what, what that one looks like. Just didn't expect Lamar. Even on second down. Full on, kind of, yeah. on Zach Wilson in the, in the biggest yeah. game of the year. Column. I think we should make an honourable exception here and we've been very critical of the Ravens. There's a reason why Mike McDonald is getting head coaching interviews. Their defence was was lights out yesterday. Bar, you know, some of the stupid penalties which you don't necessarily put on him. Um, the, the scheme was right. I mean, they, they, they shut the Chiefs down completely in the second half. They gave their offence every chance to win that game uh, and they couldn't do it. But it was it, it was not down to the, the performance of that Ravens defence with the likes of Kyle Hamilton. Patrick Queen, I thought, had a fantastic game. Roquan, apart from the stupid penalty we talked about, had a fantastic game. Matabike, there were was so many great performers on that on that uh, Ravens defense, and they, and they were right for the game. Yeah, they they were the one unit. Like zero points allowed, five first downs in the second half, um, and three point three yards per play. Um, like they were they were great outside from the stupid penalties, but ultimately, you know, what what can he do about that? I, I think somebody's going to get. A sensational coach uh, from uh, Mike McDonald. He's he's super smart. He he adjusts. Like I mean, the contrast between uh, the the offense and the defense was so stark. Um, but but look, uh, the to me ultimately what what this kind of came down to was it if the game belonged to any one individual, it was Spags. It was this was he he should have been the one and look don't get me wrong Mahomes is sensational absolutely unbelievable 
And we have gone from a situation where you need a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes to win the AFC to you need Patrick Mahomes to win the AFC. Like this, this is why I feel sorry for Lamar because you're like, yeah, welcome to Peyton Manning's hell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it might it might be even worse as the first quarterback uh, to reach four Super Bowls under the age of thirty. Like this guy's breaking records. Um, and on top of that, uh, he has Spags, who is in his, in his bag of tricks, is loving life. And uh, you know, he, I mean, Andy Andy made sure to give him a shout out. But they're a really young defense. They, like it was it was everything you wanted on the road it was just it was the perfect game plan for the the Chiefs on defense really good defense Brian with Legereus Sneed who's you know we've talked about before arguably the best cornerback in the NFL and, and maybe put the stamp on that uh, that title in that game that punch out was well it's one thing for Zay Flowers to stretch the ball out it's the other thing for for Sneed A to be there mm-hmm. to make the play that needed to be play, needed to be made that won the game yeah, I mean, that would have made a seven game 14 with something in the region of seven and a half minutes ago. It's an absolute game changer. We can talk about the last drive and obviously taking the field goal and then the easy set. But ultimately, for him, that was the one. I think that was the killer. You know, they had the. Um, Rory made a very valid point there in terms of how many times did we see him, you know, the deep trail over the course of the game with the exception of the Flowers touchdown. That was the one. And, like, that was just um, a bizarre three or four minutes in the sense of this is a fantastic play, lack of experience, first round player. He's obviously. You know, overjoyed by making a, a big play, which he thinks ultimately is going to lead to a touchdown and puts the team back in the game. He he gets up, he does the celebration. Obviously, then that leads to a flag. He then has the fantastic catch. It looks like he's going in for the touchdown. It's a fantastic play. It's We said it on the group last night. It'll probably go down as probably one of the best five plays of the season. And if the Chiefs go on to win the Super Bowl, it ultimately will end up being the, the play of the season unless we see something I, even more. It's also, I, I thought mad the symmetry that the Chiefs had almost exactly the same situation last week where Jordan, Jordan Poyer makes the play on McCall Hardman. Obviously, Sneed was watching that tape. Yeah, and even initially, it looked like I, I was convinced he, he broke the play and we we're just going to see a situation like we do a lot of time where defences are trying to play to the referee and ultimately when he gets looked at again. But then you see the, the replay and it's very evident the ball is out. But he, there was three players homing in on him tackling levels of the Chiefs defense as well as well as the Ravens was quite high for this time of the season like it's we're going to leave everything on the line there but all three great one of the greatest players of, of the season and the one essentially that put the game away I know there was other bonus to come but that's that was the one for me I think we all knew sigh of relief here for Chiefs fans they're going to, they're going back to the Super Bowl Colin we, we thought we'd probably spend a lot more time talking about the offenses after this game we spent most of our conversation talking up the, the, the defenses but now, one, one player I wanted to single out, and people can get annoyed by the the, 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 the behavior on field, the gamesmanship. People can get annoyed by the strange kind of patois that, that, that he uses for his public pronouncements. I don't know if he speaks like that in private, but uh, and people can get annoyed about the Taylor Swift romance. But what nobody should get annoyed about is, is the way Travis Kelsey plays the tight end position, because for all we've talked about that Mike McDonald defense and the standout performance on the Ravens side of the ball, and it looked like on a lot of those plays, Travis Kelsey was perfectly covered. There's nothing you can do when a guy's going to make plays like that. Like he was targeted 11 times, he caught 11 passes, he went for 115 yards, and he got the touchdown that they needed. Yeah, like playoff Travis has been sensational. Like uh, given the stats yesterday, so in the last two games, 17 targets, 16 catches, 191 yards, three three touchdowns. Uh, he yeah, like 
you mean, I, I suppose you wonder, has, has I, he I, heard... I honestly never thought I would hear the phrase breaks Jerry Rice's playoff record uttered in my lifetime. Yeah, like it, when, when you see how far ahead Rice is generally in the statistical stuff, uh, it is insane. Um, but he just, I, I wonder, has he learned, like he's older, especially for uh, the tight end side of things, like uh, the Chiefs, in the same way, they because they are the dynasty now, and they know how to time things. So you know you can try Travis basically throughout the course of the season. Uh, you know he's taking it easy. The playoffs uh, emerge, and he looks like a different player. And I think the big piece though is that relationship with Mahomes because his ability to find space and Mahomes' ability to find him. I don't think that would exist. You know with if he if he was anywhere else, they just seem to have, you know, something telepathic. And, you know, I, I think the fact that, you know, he went over, he's the guy who has thrown Justin Tucker's stuff out of the, the way. Um, you know, he 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 is the the guy who's gonna look after uh Mahomes, get everyone G up. It's, it's it's easier to throw the kickers stand out of the way than if say the defensive ends were warming up down there, you know. <laughs> Good yeah, they, yeah. I I, they, I don't they think just brought well there. I don't think we'll see him doing some doing that with um, Trent Williams uh, in the Super Bowl in a few weeks. Right. Before we move on from the uh, from from the the Chiefs Ravens game, Brian, and um, you know we 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 do have some significant injury news from that game. It doesn't look like the Chiefs are going to have Joe Tooney back for the Super Bowl, and they're they're down a defensive lineman as well, which isn't going to help. Want to pronounce his name? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I'll, I'll let you have a go on it. But yeah, no, I'll jump on it. It's a uh... This is the enormity that comes with these massive games in, in the season. You're going to have players struggling, you know, playing every game. And I didn't think the Tooney loss was, obviously he's a marquee player, but like the yesterday, they, they've evolved over the course of the last few weeks in the offensive line. And we've seen this, they've kind of come together at the right time over the course of the season. And players are stepping up and doing big things. It'd be interesting to see how the dynamic of their defensive line, with, again, a defensive end who's been productive there you go. I was I was glad you were pronouncing because I I had a few goals at it today because I believe he's one of the players that was that came from the Georgia Tech side and obviously we've got that college football game coming this this uh, this August. He's one of the players from that college it's something that we have coming out over the course of the next two weeks with our coverage in the lead up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible loss. Obviously, it's been confirmed in the last half an hour he's gone for the Super Bowl. So, but Spagnuolo will find a way, as they say, to navigate. Not necessarily that they're going to win the game, but he'll find a way to. Come up with a solution and get someone else in our road or the rotation will be moved around. But hopefully, I think come two weeks' time, they'll be uh, they'll find a way. In Spags, we trust was the legend emblazoned on the t-shirts that the Chiefs defensive unit wore ahead of that game, and uh, that uh, that stood them in good stead. Uh, they'll need all their trust in him in a couple of weeks' time, of course, because meeting the Chiefs in Las Vegas will be the 49ers the 